you have the ear of a loving father who is not heaping more guilt on you, but he is opening his ear to you and listening. And he has all the resources in Christ that you need to do what he has called you to do. Welcome to the Hope and Help Project, the podcast that cultivates compassionate biblical conversations about life's challenging problems. I'm your host, Christine Chapel, and I'm so thankful you're here to join in on today's conversation with author Sarah Wallace. Today, we'll be talking about the topic of anxiety and motherhood and Sarah's brand new book, Created to Care, God's Truth for Anxious Moms. We'll discuss God's good design for our mama bear instincts, the heart struggles that take place when fear dominates our parenting, and how the gospel of Jesus Christ helps anxious moms trust God with their children's lives. If this is your first time listening to the show, be sure to learn more about the Hope and Help Project by visiting faithfulsparrow.com forward slash project. The link is posted in the show description, and by visiting that page, you can learn all about the mission of the podcast. Before we get started, let me introduce you to our guest. Sarah Wallace is the author of the Bible study, The Gospel-Centered Mom, and For the Love of Discipline, When the Gospel Meets Tantrums and Timeouts. Sarah has also written articles for the Gospel Coalition and Relevant Magazine. She and her husband have five sons. Hey, Sarah, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. In your new book that is actually releasing this week called Created to Care, God's Truth for Anxious Moms, you unpack the premise that God has created moms with protective instincts, which can actually sometimes tempt us to become anxious. And you describe them as mama bear impulses and that they were designed to be used within the context of God's perfect wisdom and strength. Can you unpack that idea for us and perhaps give the listeners some insight as to why you wanted to address this topic in a book? Yeah, I think that as moms, we tend to get into a vicious cycle where we feel anxious about our kids. We know we're not supposed to be anxious, so then we feel guilty, and that causes more anxiety. And it's just this vicious cycle that's so difficult to break out of. And I really wanted to encourage moms to take a step back and look at the heart of their anxiety. And I believe that at the heart of our anxiety is a God-given desire to protect our kids and a God-given desire to do the best that we can as moms and be the best moms we can be. And those desires are good. And God created us with a certain skill set that requires us to be on high alert at all times. He makes us sensitive to the needs of our children. And these are good things but they also make us susceptible to anxiety. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to show moms that we're not just anxious because we're hormonal and we're going crazy, but we care about our children so much. We were created to care. And so those are feelings that we can submit to God and say, God, I love this job that you have given me and I want with all my heart to do the best that I can and I love these precious children. Help me to do it depending on your strength and not my own and help me to be confident in your power rather than anxious about my weaknesses. So I wanted to encourage moms to look at anxiety in a new way and appreciate their God-given skill set 
that enables them to do such a precious job and then think of ways to commit the anxiety to God and seek his help in that area. Sometimes we become blind to the ways anxiety creeps into our motherhood experience. In fact, sometimes what we view as responsible parenting might really be producing joyless, overbearing fruits in our lives. As strange as it sounds, you actually talk about the tendency in the book that sometimes we can become so focused on protecting our children that we actually smother any possibility of enjoying life with them. Why do you think it is so easy for us to blur the lines between what scripture says about godly parenting and what we perceive as necessary in order to commit our motherhood to God? Yes, this is a great question. And for me, it all goes back to those moments in the grocery store when an older woman comes up to me and sees me with my pile of children and says, enjoy every moment. And that would always just make me feel so guilty because I would nod and smile and look back at my children and think, am I enjoying every moment? I mean, here I am in the grocery store with five children and I'm just trying to keep them alive and trying to keep my sanity. Um, Is it possible to enjoy every moment? And what does that look like? And so I do think that our anxiety has a tendency to smother our joy in motherhood But it's not just because we're so anxious and we're control freaks. You know, it is because it is a difficult, monumental task, and it is okay to struggle. It is okay for every moment not to be enjoyable. And it's very difficult for us to let go of that control where we say, this is what I need for motherhood to be right, and this is what I need to make this work. And so in the book, I talk about how we can rest in God, how that's uncomfortable because as moms, we are doers, we are fixers, but resting is actually acting. It's an intentional resting on God. We are choosing to rest on him and we rest expectantly. We are having our eyes fixed on God and saying, God is caring for me. He is caring for my children. He is caring for my motherhood. And in that sense, it's not just letting go of the wheel and sitting back and saying, in order to not be anxious, I just have to be kind of mindless. I have to not care. That's the only way I cannot be anxious. Instead, it's an intentional resting on God. They say, and I'm going to intentionally give you my stress, my anxiety, and I'm going to watch and wait and see the beautiful ways that you care for me and my children and that you meet me in my weakness. So I encourage moms in that intentional resting and and talking to myself too. And Mm -hmm. really that has helped me to enjoy motherhood more rather than strangle out the joys of motherhood because I'm hyper-focused on what I should be doing and how I should be doing it, but learning how to look to the Lord and rest in Him on a daily basis and a moment-by-moment basis. Anxious moms can frequently have a negative ticker tape playing in their head, imagining all of the things that could go wrong for their children. And sometimes those what ifs, you know, I like to call them what ifs, and I know that's a common term. What if this happens? What if that happens to them? Those what ifs can stem from past experiences where their children really have been hurt or even traumatized in really horrific ways. Those types of pasts can actually make us latch down on our children even harder with that 
that mama bear instinct because we want to protect them from having those experiences again. How can we tackle this problem head on through the scriptures? How does the Bible specifically encourage us to surrender these fears and really embrace God's rest like you were talking about and instead learn to trust God with his promises? Mm. Well, one of my favorite passages of scripture and one that might be familiar to some of the listeners is Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Verse 6 says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I love that verse so much and I dwell on it all the time. But what has become crucial to my motherhood is actually verse 8 because this is the action verse. This is what trusting God looks like. Verse eight says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. And for me, when that ticker tape starts playing and I get into that dangerous world of what ifs, I pull up this verse And I use it as a test. And I pick each one of those words, true, honorable, right. And I run my hypotheticals, my what ifs through that list. And I ask myself, is what I'm thinking right now true? Is it right? Is it honorable? Is it of good repute? And really, this is a foolproof list because there is no anxious thought that we can have that will stand the test of this list. Hmm. Because like you said, even if we are anxious about something that is true, let's say something true has happened of our children, is it honorable? Is it worthy of praise? Is it excellent? And the verse ends with dwell on these things. So if the anxiety and the anxious thoughts that are creeping into our minds about our children are not true or not excellent, we are not to dwell on them. And instead we are to dwell on Christ. He is the ultimate source of all truth. So that is what is constant challenge for me. But um, I think about this passage all the time. And I, I just kind of use that as my litmus test when I get into that world of what ifs. I think that's a really great comparison, you know, kind of replacing the negative ticker tape with the more righteous ticker tape, (laughs) the the ticker Mm -hmm. tape of, of that verse you were just talking about. I can certainly admit that early on in my motherhood, I was anxious often, but it wasn't necessarily because I was worried about my children hurting themselves. It really had to do with my priorities. And sometimes I viewed the call to mother as an interference in my day, taking away what I was supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be doing these ministry things. I'm supposed to be doing, you know, all these bigger, better, more more flashier things. And it really wasn't until years passed that the Holy Spirit Spirit trained me to understand the importance of priorities in such a way that I was not functionally bitter about it. Because in those days, I knew I was supposed to have right priorities, but I didn't really, I wasn't really happy about it. (laughs) It was making me Mm -hmm. bitter, you know, that Mm -hmm. my kids were keeping me away, it seemed, from the things that I really wanted to do. Mm. And so what do you think is at the heart of this struggle to prioritize well? And how does resting in God's will for our daily schedules help to alleviate some of those self-inflicted pressures? I think we're fighting against two things here. I think we're fighting against our internal pressures about our priorities. Uh, What do we think, like you said, we should be doing? 
what did we think this season would look like or what do we think it should look like? And then there are the external pressures. What is society telling us we should be doing right now? What do other moms make us feel like we should be doing? And we compare ourselves to other people. And so we're fighting that internal and external. And instead, we need to get our eyes back on God's word and say, what does God expect of me during this season? And a passage that has always encouraged me is Psalm 37, 3 and 4. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. And I think in every season of life, no matter what season it is, we can dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. And cultivating faithfulness, I believe, is much simpler than we often make it. And so for me, it's been a big stress relief to just simplify my expectations of this season of motherhood and say, what does it look like to cultivate faithfulness? I might not be accomplishing all the amazing things that I thought I would, or all the things that I did before I had kids, or maybe some of the things that I will do someday. But right now in this short season that God has given me, how can I cultivate faithfulness? And for me, it means making snacks for my kids. It means changing the baby's diaper. It means settling sibling disputes. Mm. And sometimes those things at the end of the day can almost seem mind numbing because they're so repetitive and they don't seem like they're impacting the kingdom or impacting the world. But when we are faithful and we cultivate daily faithfulness, we are kingdom builders and God is faithful to us to use our work to his great glory. And all we are called to do is to be faithful. And so I would encourage moms to take great joy in just that daily faithfulness and not to feel anxious about what you should be doing during this season, but instead look to the need that is right in front of you. That is what you should be doing right now. There's a chapter in your book where you make the statement, and I, I really loved it because it made me stop and think for a few minutes, that the greatest challenge in our motherhood is sometimes other moms. And you were just talking about it a minute ago in your answer. After thinking about that statement, I understood why it can be true. You talked about a time when you were surrounded by breastfeeding mothers while you were feeding your baby with a bottle. And this tempted you to feel like you were doing it wrong in your own words. It makes sense that external observations about how other moms are raising their children could tempt us to become anxious about how we order our own motherhood experience. How can a mother who struggles with anxiety over peer pressure or perhaps even just general social influences learn to break free from guilt-ridden performance traps? Well, first and foremost, I think we need to understand who we are in Christ because uh, we'll get stuck in this cycle of comparing with others and letting ourselves be defined by others if we forget who we are in Christ. And one of my favorite passages is Isaiah 61 10 that says, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. And how often do we actually see ourselves wearing the beautiful righteous robes of Christ? I know I don't think of myself that way very often, but when we stop and consider the way God sees us in his son, that he sees us in his spotless garments of salvation, then we have the fresh confidence that we need for this task. And we see ourselves as forgiven 
and righteous in Jesus Christ. That is who we are in Christ. And so to that extent, it doesn't matter what another mom says about me or how other moms look at me or how other moms are doing things differently. I know who I am in Christ. Um, But it's also helpful then once we have that confidence in Christ to be able to look to our sisters in Christ for help and encouragement, maybe ways that we could be doing things better. So there's a balance there where we want to find our hope and our confidence and our identity in Christ, but we also want to be open to our sisters in Christ pouring into us and saying, hey, let's talk about this struggle or, hey, I need help in this area. And I've noticed you're really good at um, organization. Can you come over and help me? I'm really struggling with organizing my home. And so when we're confident in who we are in Christ, it's, it enables us to take advice from our sisters in Christ and not be offended or not have our confidence shaken. So it really comes down to knowing who you are in Christ. Just what popped into my head as you were talking was that having a confidence of who we are in Christ makes motherhood, you know, not a contest. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so it's just that confidence will equal this is not a contest uh, to be a mom, you know, and who's the best and who's doing it right or wrong or whatever it is. It's just looking to Christ as your identity and as your qualification, as you said, mm-hmm. and just finding rest. Again, we keep coming back to a theme of, of resting in Christ, of resting mm-hmm. in God's will. And I think that that, you know, especially when it comes to battling anxiety, that is a very relevant and necessary mm-hmm. action to, like you said, to actively exercise your faith by resting. There was a part in your book I was really encouraged by, and you demonstrated to the reader how they can examine whether or not their desires for control in their children's lives were either helpful or hurtful. How um, Would you take a few minutes to explain how we can take a hard look at that comparison to make sure that we have not wandered into control idolatry in our motherhood? Yes, this goes back to that mother bear instinct where we have a desire to control every aspect of our kids' lives. And again, I would first say that that is not a bad thing, that God has given us those desires to control what our kids eat, where they go, when they sleep, everything about their lives, because that is a part of our caring for them. But I think the key word that you mentioned was idolatry, because when do we step over that line into idolizing control and actually replacing trust in God with this idol of control? And I would say for me personally, the test is how do I respond when things don't go the way I thought they would? And that really reveals my heart. So if we're getting ready for a park day And at the last minute, everything falls apart. The toddler can't find his shoes. Um, The brothers are squabbling. I can't find my keys. Everything falls apart. How do I respond in that moment when I realize God has not planned a day at the park for me this morning? He has other things planned for me. Am I angry? Am I stressed? Do I take my stress out on my children? Do I resent that God has rearranged my day? Um, And so for me, that is the test. And if I find myself with that heart attitude of stress and bitterness, that's when I have to stop and surrender it to God and say, I will be faithful to control what you've put in front of me, 
but you are ultimately the one in control and I must submit all my plans to you, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. And so um, God often gives me those wake-up calls and those those opportunities to change my heart attitude. And um, it's not easy, but I am thankful for when he reveals that to me because my kids will only benefit from my control if my control is submitted to God and if they see mommy resting in God and trusting God, even when everything is chaos. That's a really great point you make there is that this process that you're talking about of submitting control to God is an opportunity to witness to our children and to demonstrate Mm. that, look, things aren't going to go your way all the time, children. You need to learn that Mm -hmm. at an early age. And and so it's almost as if these opportunities when things don't go our way are chances to witness to our kids and to tell them about God is in control, he's sovereign, and that when things are not going the way that we planned, we can trust that what he has for us is what's best. And we just do the next right thing and try not to get totally shattered as a result of not Mm -hmm. getting our way, which, you know, children and temper tantrums, um, well, adults have temper (laughs) tantrums too. So, you know, we're all prone to it. But in any case, it is an opportunity to share our faith with our children who are observing us usually a lot more than we might even know know or realize in the moment. And something very specific to the Christian motherhood experience is the anxiety that we can have over our children's salvation. I know the beliefs about this vary depending on what theological circle you swim in. Some moms believe that salvation can result from a parenting methodology or formula, while others may not be very concerned about the state of their children's souls because they may just have a lax approach to discipleship, thinking that the matter lies entirely out of their scope and is totally in God's hands, and there's nothing they can do to to influence or change it. But do the scriptures really teach either of these approaches? What responsibilities are we given by God when it comes to sharing Jesus with our children? And how can we address those anxieties that arise over the fears of our children's salvation? This is a great question and one that really hits close to home for me, especially as my kids get older. You know, I've been in the baby stage for about 10 years, and now my oldest is turning 10, my youngest is turning two. And I think there's nothing more precious to our hearts than our children's spiritual well-being. And it is something that definitely can cause anxiety. And I think the two extremes that you mentioned are a total hands-off approach. I have nothing to do with my kid's salvation, so I'm not going to think about it, worry about it. And then the hands-on approach where we say in our hearts, my kid's salvation depends on how I parent. Mm -hmm. So those are two extremes that we want to avoid. And I take great comfort in Proverbs 22, 6, that says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So in this verse, we're told as parents that there is something we can do. We can train up our children in the ways of the Lord. Deuteronomy says we should teach them diligently when we are in our home, when we walk by the way, when we lie down, when we rise up. There is action here for us. And for me, that's comforting because, again, I'm a doer. I'm a fixer. I like having something to do uh, for my children in the area of spirituality. And I can. I can teach them actively. I can pray over them. I can pray for them. And so we are called to train our children in the ways of the Lord. And there is a promise here 
when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, I think we are not to rest all of our hope in the actual results of our training and in what God is going to do with our training, but we can trust this promise that if we pour God's truth into our children, it will stick with them. Now, God can do whatever he wants with that truth that is in their hearts, but we can rest that they will have the truth, they will know the truth, and then God can use his Holy Spirit however he chooses in our children's lives. So there's that working and that resting, again, the tricky balance, but we can trust that God will use his word as he sees fit. And so I would just encourage moms to be faithful, to teach their children the truth, and to be praying for them and pray for their salvation all the time. My oldest child is a 13-year-old, so I don't know yet what it's like to launch a kid out into the world. You know, they graduate high school and they're going off to college. I don't have that experience, but I have friends who have, and they have shared their various worries and concerns about it. From watching them, what I can tell is that it's a bittersweet season and certainly a time when parents can be tempted to be anxious about the welfare of their children. You mentioned in your book about putting worry to work so that we can equip kids to face the world instead of smothering them. You write, when we feel driven to protect our kids from the world, we have to remind ourselves that such protection is only temporary. One day they will face the world. Will they be ready? What tools has God given to us to help prepare our children to leave the nest one day? And how might we be redeeming our anxiety over it for the purposes of doing what we can to faithfully equip them? Well, I'm like you. I still have young ones. I have not launched a child into the world yet. But I'm reading a great book right now by Tim Challies called Devoted, Great Men and Their Godly Moms. And what I love the most about this book is that long after these sons leave their mom's care and they're no longer under her roof, she is still having great influence over them through prayer. And I just love that that is something we can always do for our children here and now while they're young and we're caring for them. But even long after, when they're out in the world, we can still pray for them. And God hears our prayers, and He is faithful. And that is a very practical way that we can be preparing our kids for the world, and then also still caring for them and nurturing them when they're actually out in the world. We've got time for a few more questions. So if there is a mother today who is battling against anxiety, which is specifically tied to her motherhood experience, can you offer her some practical steps for attending to her spiritual and physical needs? Yes, I would say that this is a difficult time, uh, especially if you are, like me, sleep-deprived and having difficulty with prioritizing your schedules. It's difficult to know how to fit in caring for your spiritual needs. But it is a crucial time to draw near to the Lord, specifically through his word and through prayer and through fellowship with other believers. So I would encourage you not to add more to your plate or stress or more anxiety, but look for those moments in the day when you can sit down with the Lord in his word. And I would encourage you that it's not going to look like the nice 
quiet times that you had before children when you could get up early and have your cup of coffee and read the Bible for an hour, but that's okay. It's going to look different and you might be nursing a baby and you might have a toddler on the couch next to you reading a book, but just take a few minutes to get into the word. And even if it's only a sentence or two that your tired mind can absorb, God will be faithful to you to use his word in your heart at just the right moment throughout the day as you are faithful to put it in. So find times that you can be in the word and also in prayer. And I would say that it's very tempting in this season to forsake fellowship in the church because we're so tired and we're so busy and maybe you didn't sleep the night before, but it is an important time to be part of the body. That is where you will find refreshment for your soul and the encouragement that you need. So I would encourage you that if going to church is difficult and messy, just take the difficult and messy with you. And there will be your brothers and sisters in Christ who are happy to see you there and happy to have an opportunity to minister to you and have your family part of the body. So don't think that you have to wait this season out before you can get back involved in the church. I would say just go. I've been so blessed when I've just packed up the kids and we're just a mess and we've got mismatched shoes, but we show up. I'm always glad that we did. And I'm always so blessed to be part of the body of Christ. So I would encourage you to dig into your local body and find encouragement there. Those are really great reminders. Thank you so much for sharing those with us today. We've got to close out the show with something we do in every episode, which is I like to give my guests an opportunity to talk directly to the audience and encourage someone who is listening. There may be a mom listening to this episode who realizes her anxiety is getting out of hand. Maybe she knows she should be trusting God with her children, but she isn't sure how to connect the dots between surrendering control and resting in God's plan. What would you say to that mom to give her the courage to trust God with every aspect of her children's lives? I would say that first and foremost, I would encourage you moms out there that God's care for you and his love for you is rooted in his character and not ultimately in your faith. So you will wake up some mornings feeling like your faith is as weak and as tired as your body. And that is not where we find comfort. We find comfort in the object of our faith, who is Jesus Christ himself. And he is strong when we are weak. And I love Psalm 103, 13 to 14, it says, just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. God knows that you are weak. He knows that you are tired. He knows that you struggle with anxiety. He knows that you struggle with rest in your mind and in your heart. And he sees you and he loves you, and he hears the cries of his people. And I would encourage you to cry out to God, knowing that he knows you are but dust, and he knows you are weak, and he draws near to those who draw near to him. So cry out to him. Tell him that you are weak and weary and that you are anxious, and tell him what you are anxious about, and know that you have the ear of a loving father 
who is not heaping more guilt on you, but he is opening his ear to you and listening. And he has all the resources in Christ that you need to do what he has called you to do. Thank you so much, Sarah. Those are really great encouragements. And I think just super practical. I love that scripture. So thank you so much for for joining me today. I want to give the audience a chance to get connected with you. If they want to learn more about your writing ministry, and you know, you've got a few books out available, and you blog frequently, can you share where they can connect with you? Yes, my new book is Created to Care, God's Truth for Anxious Moms. And you can find that on Amazon or at PNR Books. That's prpbooks.com. I also wrote For the Love of Discipline, When the Gospel Meets Timeouts, for practical tips on how the gospel specifically applies to discipline during the early years of motherhood. And if you're looking for a group study, a Bible study to do with other moms that's short and practical and grace-filled, check out the Gospel-Centered Mom Bible Study. You can also find that on Amazon. And I write at gospelcenteredmom.com. And I daily write on my Facebook page, which is the Gospel Centered Mom dash Sarah Wallace. And that's where you can find daily encouragement and humor and see what my daily life is like raising (laughs) five boys and connect with me there. I would love to hear from you. Perfect. Well, I will be sure to put the links to all of those pages on the show notes for this show. So if you are listening and you want to get connected with Sarah, you can click the link in the show description and that will take you to the page where you can access all of Sarah's information and also her books. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about this um, really important topic. You know, it's one of those things I think in motherhood Mm -hmm. where we might not, like I said, we might not recognize it is actually taking place until it's pointed out to us. And mm-hmm. um, so thank you for taking the time to write the book for, for moms uh, of all ages, really, and just helping us to learn more about God's invitation to rest and to trust mm-hmm. in our season of mothering. Thank you for having me. Before we let you go, I'd like to remind you to visit faithfulsparrow.com forward slash project. There you can check out the show notes from today's episode, complete with links to Sarah's books. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, I would be so thankful if you left a review for the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Be sure to subscribe to be notified when new weekly episodes release. Also, please don't keep the Hope and Help Project a secret. If you know someone who could be encouraged by listening to this episode, please do them a favor by sharing it. One more thing, if you're looking for gospel hope and help for life's challenging problems, visit faithfulsparrow.com forward slash email. I send my email subscribers weekly biblical counseling resources on rotating topics. From videos, audios, articles, and recommended reading, these emails are designed to equip you to discover gospel hope and help in your own life. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. Be sure to join us next time on the Hope and Help Project.